social commerce really encompasses is any experience where we have social interaction between a group of people and a seamless path to purchase. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this e-commerce marketing-focused podcast. If you're not familiar with the format here on Keep Optimizing, well, each month we focus on a different marketing method, could be email or SEO or Facebook ads, and each week I interview a different expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you. This month we're all about content marketing. So in this episode, we're exploring social commerce because we're coming at content marketing for some very different angles this month. This is not going to be all about blogging. Um, So yeah, we're going to be talking about social commerce. What actually is it? What does a social commerce strategy look like? How do you go about with it? Who's it working for? All that kind of core stuff you need to know to work out if it should be in your plans for 2024 or not. We've got an absolute expert guest at this for you. She's going to be sharing loads, including some brilliant insider tips. So make sure you stay tuned right to the end because the the resources she shares are absolutely brilliant. And if you listen right to the end, you'll get my tips on other resources you can dive into as well. So stay tuned to the end, everybody. Ready to boost your sales and brand trust? Discover Ferrer the ultimate product reviews app that brings your customer feedback to life. With over 5,000 five-star ratings on the Shopify and Wix app stores, Ferrer is the trusted choice for enhancing your store's credibility. Ferrer users see a significant boost in sales and a high review response rate thanks to aesthetically pleasing photo and video review widgets that blend perfectly with any site's design, and automatic review request emails that are highly customizable. And right now, Ferret is offering four months free on any plan. Visit keepopt.com forward slash Ferra to claim your offer and transform customer feedback into sales. That's keepopt.com forward slash F-E-R-A. In this episode, I'm chatting with content marketing expert Sophie Freer. Sophie is the co-founder and CEO of Lisa Social Commerce, the all-in-one social commerce platform. Sophie also has 13 years of experience working in luxury and FMCG retail and joins us fresh from the Web Summit stage. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Chloe. Great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. How did you end up in the world of content marketing? Well, I originally started in retail uh, when I was 21, (laughs) Um, very classically as a trainee, and I learned uh, to become a buyer. So very young in my career, I was a um, dairy buyer even, so crazy times. (laughs) Um, And then eventually, I, um, I I was working for a very big retail group, and eventually I moved more towards anything sort of customer experience related and also brand management. For quite a while, I was managing... Uh, one of the group's largest own brands, which made over one billion in sales worldwide, which is quite an exciting time. And that's where I sort of fell in love with this whole concept of trying to really understand uh, what people are feeling and how they will react to content and to experiences. Um, and then eventually I moved on to helping to build up the innovation department of that big retail group. And um, content being a very critical element of good customer experience. So it was always on my radar. 
And uh, as was then later in this career, also technology and how it plays a role to deliver content to consumers in an effective and fun and engageable way. How has that all led to you being part of the Lisa team? Um, when I was in that innovation department, I w- had already been at that big box retailer for 10 years. <laughs> um, and my co-founder and I had been already toying with the idea and the hypothesis. So this is about six or seven years ago now that there would come a time when e-commerce would fundamentally change in the same way that let's say 20 years ago, there was suddenly this experience revolution in brick and mortar retail, where the game was, if you didn't change and you didn't invest into fantastic experience, nobody would come buy from you anymore. Just having stuff available is no longer good enough. Our hypothesis was the exact same thing would happen in e-commerce one day. And that would be like the e-commerce experience revolution. And we were already toying with all these ideas of how that would look and feel in a digital environment. And so what we did is we actually, um, we worked as part of my co-founder's family business, who's also my husband, by the way, in the meantime, <laughs> um, his family business uh, is in kids fashion. And so we had an online shop where we experimented a lot with, this was then five, six years ago, with shoppable catalogs, live stream shopping back then through FaceTime. So I was literally selling kids clothes through FaceTime. <laughs> um, and we realized we were onto something, but obviously there was nothing in the market that we could just plug and play to our e-commerce. And being you know, a family-led small company, we didn't have the option to build something for a lot of money ourselves. So that's where we discovered this niche in the market. And we said that, well, listen, if so- and social commerce at the time was already popping up in Asia. And so we said, listen, for, you know, Europe and the U.S., for Western markets, we're going to need solutions that brands, no matter which size, can easily plug into their e-commerce to bring these, deliver these kind of experiences to yeah, transfer actually content into real experiences and make them interactive. Um, and that's how Lisa was born, uh, out of essentially some first experiments in, in the category of e-commerce. It was um, a project title at the time. And then we founded Lisa and then we, we couldn't find a better name. We just kept it. And then now that's what the company name is. So there you go. Very cool. And you mentioned um, the live streaming element, what you were doing back then using FaceTime as selling. But social commerce is a lot more than just live streaming. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. I think the most people you would ask these days would say that social commerce means selling things on social media. So I think... You know, the assumption is that the word social within social commerce relates to social media platforms. But interestingly, that is only a very like part of the truth, essentially. What it really means is or what social commerce really encompasses is any experience where we have social interaction between a group of people and a seamless path to purchase. But in order for that to be the case, it doesn't have to be happening on social media platforms. So Let's give you some examples in metaverse shopping or in, you know, game shopping. If I'm like on Twitch and I can, we're, you know, playing a game together and we can buy something at the same time, live shopping on my own e-commerce, different social media experiences on my own e-commerce. All of these things fall under the umbrella of social commerce. Um, And I think that's really one of the things that we are also, or I personally, That's why I love also having these, you know, opportunities to talk on great podcasts, because 
yeah, it's my personal mission to make everybody understand <laughs> that social commerce is a lot more than just selling things on social media. It's a much, much bigger umbrella. Yeah, I think it's, as an industry, we're very good at coming up with terms that people get confused by. I mean, I still think like the term e-commerce, still no one really can agree on what it actually means. So, um, so I love that you've just, you know, kind of properly defined the term there for us. Given it's such a kind of all-encompassing strategy, it's almost like a business model rather than even just being a strategy. Who, who in the team do you find is usually the, you know, the department or the team member who's the one who's really running this? Well, that's a bit in today's structure, sometimes the challenge, because I think in today's world, we think of content as being one person's or one team's responsibility, experience maybe being another team's responsibility and then sort of running the online shop, let's say, or e-commerce side of things being another team's responsibility. And social commerce basically blends all three of these things, right? It's a new type of customer experience, which leverages content, different formats of it, uh, all the way to live streams and makes them interactive and shoppable across all different platforms. So what that means is social media teams, content teams, and e-commerce teams, and customer experience teams, depending on how big the you know, company is and how many of these teams they have, need to work together. <laughs> and that's sometimes also, of course, the tricky thing. What it also means, though, is that for all of these stakeholders, social commerce has something really fabulous to offer uh, and can actually help all of, these social, uh, all of these stakeholders improve on their KPIs. Uh, so that's the interesting side of it. So once you've overcome the sort of question of, okay, how do we work together to make this happen? We see, you know, quite incredible things happening for these teams. I'm, I'm sure that's resonating with a lot of people listening as this goes live, because um, I suspect there's a lot of our listeners who have tried to take advantage of TikTok shop. And one of those pieces of the puzzle, be it the the product feeds or the uh, you know, the fulfillment of it or the integration of the customer support or the content side or the product side, one of the bits has not quite worked because we've ended up in these siloed scenarios. It's really interesting to hear we've got it. We need to get that in order too. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, as you were saying, the definition isn't this isn't selling on social media. It can happen on your own website too. So how do we work out where we what we do, you know, should we start with the on, on website stuff? Do we, do we start with TikTok? Do we start with Facebook? Do we start with Twitter? Where, how does a brand work out where to begin their journey into adapting their business to do social commerce? I think it's similar to any new marketing related effort that you try, right? Um, it's kind of similar to the question, what socials should we be on? Um, just a bit of an extension of that question, essentially as to your point. So first of all, most people think that most of social commerce is happening on social media today. In Europe, for example, if we look just at live shopping, which is one example of social commerce, live shopping, 70% of it in Europe is actually happening on brands own websites. So just to give you a sense of the what the actual current proportions are of where this is happening, um, as a brand to figure out where you should be playing, right, in the social commerce field, let's say, uh, on all the options, really, the main question you should ask yourself is, already today, what is my content strategy to engage with which target group on which platform? And then this is just a natural extension of it. Because really, all you're doing is you're adding an interaction layer, and a shoppable layer to your content strategy. 
Strictly speaking, that's all you're doing. That does transform it into an experience rather than it just being passively consumed content. But if you define it like that, it also gives people the sort of the sense that, okay, actually, it's not such a massive shift from what we're doing. It's just enhancing what we're already doing. Uh, and then that can actually inform quite well on where you should be playing. So take, for example, um, the brands that we work with uh, at Lisa, you know, they come up to me uh, until now, Lisa has really mainly focused, you know, on helping brands and retailers bring shoppable stories, shoppable videos, shoppable live streams to their own e-commerce. But uh, as you already said in the introduction, Lisa is becoming a 360 degree social commerce platform, which means that we're helping brands manage these activities across all channels, including social media. So we obviously get asked by our clients, you know, should I be doing TikTok shops? And my answer is always, well, that really depends. Are you doing TikTok already? And is that working for you in general? Like, is this a target group uh, or is this a platform uh, through which you are reaching a target group and, you know, you want to be relevant to in the future? Then why not add a commerce layer to the, you know, content and experiences you're already delivering there? Then that can make a lot of sense. If this is completely new to you and, for example, you're a premium brand and TikTok shops tends to be, I don't want to generalize, but somewhat more on the, uh, let's say, price entry level uh, in terms of the types of products that are positioned there, or it tends to be a platform where somewhat more established brands can do special sales. If that's an environment you don't want to be sort of a part of because you think it could hurt your brand, then no, you probably shouldn't be doing it, but you probably wouldn't have been doing TikTok in general much before anyway. So that's kind of the point. It kind of goes very hand in hand with what you're already doing on socials. Then when it comes to the other aspect of bringing social media-like experience and discovery to your own e-commerce, that for me, to be honest, for most, almost all brands and retailers will make sense at some point in their journey because the question becomes, do you want to build a direct relationship with your community? And do you want to have a place where your, commu your community lives outside of social platforms so that you actually have a direct relationship with them, not one that is dependent on, you know, an algorithm on social, essentially. So that's where I see it being just a very complementary thing. Uh, and therefore, the answer would be to find out where it makes the most sense probably is very much in line to where it already made the most sense in terms of them being on social media already. Cool, yeah, I think I think a lot of people just kind of have dismissed social commerce because they think it's just oh, it's just selling things on Facebook, um, which clearly, from all you've just outlined, it's a lot more than that. So I love the fact that you are you're bringing into the mix the owned channel element of it. The fact we can do this right there on our website. So I think that's absolutely brilliant. But you mentioned earlier on about how this is this is huge in Asia. This year, it's starting to take off a bit in the Western world, but it, I'm still, I still remain hugely surprised it hasn't taken off sooner in the Western world. Do you, so do you, think, do you think 2024 is going to be the year of social commerce? Do you think we're about to see it everywhere? And <laughs> it's, well, I mean, and obviously I'm biased. I think we can all agree on that. Um, that being said, for example, I was invited to a panel at Web Summit last week, together with um, the CRO from Agora, which is a live streaming SDK provider, and uh, Eamon, who's the ex-MD of Techstars, who's actually now building a startup in the social commerce space as well. 
And obviously all three of us also agree, but interestingly, it was incredibly well visited the panel. And that's the first time that I've really seen that much traction around it. And it was covered quite a bit in the press afterwards. So it feels like it's not just us shouting into an empty forest <laughs> anymore. It feels like there is a real, and also just by the questions we're starting to get asked by our existing clients, but also, you know, potential new brands and retailers in general, you know, I'm getting approached with the question, oh my God, my CMO asked me to, to deliver my social commerce strategy for next year to them. I don't have one. Can you help me? You know, this is starting to happen like almost on a daily basis. So just from the science that I'm getting, I definitely see something really significantly moving. In terms of why it hasn't happened sooner, honestly, consumers have been there for years, years. It's really brands and retailers, to be honest, that have just been slow <laughs> to delivering um, what consumers clearly already want. I mean, if we all put ourselves into the shoes of us spending time online and discovering things, right, products, brands, whatever, how annoying is it we discover a great, you know, something great on Instagram stories. Uh, and then unless that brand is selling on Instagram, um, you know, or for example, you discover something on YouTube and unless they're doing YouTube shopping as well, you have to go out, Google it, you know, find it in their online shop. And it's just this really broken, messed up journey. Um, and also you don't have the ability to ask questions directly to the brand. So really, you, you know, you, as a brand, you're losing a consumer before you ever even had the chance to win them. So it's really just a no-brainer thing that obviously people want this to be a seamless experience, also cross-platforms. Why aren't we delivering that to them? So again, I don't think it's as much of a changed behavior thing at all for consumers as we think it is. It's really getting the, the technology and the consistency and the strategy in place from a brand and retailer perspective to make it happen. And that's there now. The infrastructure is there. Um, you know, the platforms are playing, there's providers like us, but also others that can make all of this happen really easily. Um, so I think now that that's all in place, there's really not <laughs> oh, many more excuses, let's say, um, to why you shouldn't or couldn't embrace it. Got you. That makes so much sense. And and who's it working best for and what sort of results can we see at that? You know, is it is it for big business? Is it for small business? Is it for fashion, gift, beauty? Is there like kind of like any, is there any difference between the sectors and what sort of results could we see? So we obviously had to really think about what sectors are we going to go into first and why. And, you know, if you build a startup, you have to be very mindful of where you're going to start playing because you need to see results quickly or else, you know, you're not going to be around very long. That being said, though, if you look towards Asia, and I think just one thing to be really clear about, our social commerce and live shopping and video shopping, et cetera, is not going to look and feel too similar to what we see in Asia, just the look and feel of it. That being said, the fundamental psychology behind it is exactly the same everywhere in the world. So in China, they sell from oranges to Bentleys, everything through live streams, everything. So people buy their oranges from a farmer through a live stream all the way up to buying Bentleys through a live stream. So we're obviously not there yet, <laughs> but we are going to get there. Uh, why do I say that? And where are we now? So what we saw in Europe and the US is that first, the beauty industry really embraced this. They tend to be very fast. Um, so they, you know, we were working three years ago already with L'Oreal, with Avon, 
Charlotte Tilbury even for three years now already. So they were the first to embrace it. Second wave fashion, because that's also like a medium which lends which lends it very itself very well to visual and a sector which already will typically have good content out there, right? Uh, and or if it's an omnichannel retailer, sales staff that could be very good at doing this in front of the camera, for example, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're starting to see that more and more sectors are coming into this or more and more product categories. So we, for example, I can't say the name, but we're working with a really big DIY uh, retailer here in Germany. And it's probably one of my favorite, honestly, shows. It's it's just so much fun. It's so addictive. Uh, you know, you'll be sitting there and they'll be telling you, there'll be an expert in the store telling you how to pick your paint and what to look out for, whether it's matte or shiny or, you know, how to build a birdhouse with your kids, like as a special project. And it's just fascinating. And then you just sort of click and you've bought the product and it's there. And um, so that's a really exciting category, DIY. I see a lot of home decoration and furniture coming now as well and consumer electronics. So I think those are going to be the categories that will grow the most or join the game basically next year. But generally, I don't see why one day we wouldn't also be selling everything from oranges to Bentleys uh, through social commerce experiences here too. Yeah, I, I totally get you because I think it is done well. Like you say, it's entertaining and it it's it's a joy to be a consumer of. So I can't see why. It, so that's why I said I, I can't believe it hasn't kicked off before now in the UK, to be honest. Um, Sophie, is there anything we haven't mentioned that the audience need to know about before they get stuck into social commerce? <laughs> First of all, it's a lot. Well, I think a key message really is that it's a lot easier to start than you think. So First of all, most people think they already need to be quite big. As to your question before, how big does a brand need to be to, to be successful with this? That is not true. Um, it might make sense that you have a certain sort of, you know, buzz already or a certain amount of a community built already. But if done right, you can literally use social commerce, whether it's on your own e-commerce or through platforms to really grow your community effectively. So we have one client, for example, Avon, they see up to 43% social sharing rates, which means that if 100 people watch on average a live show, for example, and the live hosts ask them to, you know, ask a friend to join, 43% of the audience will do that without getting any incentive whatsoever for doing that, right? Um, so those, those are the kind of mechanisms which are, to me personally, incredibly exciting because that means that any brand of any size can really leverage these formats to grow their community organically and for free, by the way, because what that means is that you're paying zero dollars customer acquisition cost, right? Um, the other thing is we see, for example, for live shopping, we see up to 37% conversion rates. Um, and the most successful brands uh, for the format of live shopping are those that deliver very authentic, pretty unscripted, you know, not highly produced content. So the other thing is that Many brands in the West think they need to build a sort of studio somewhat like QVC. That is 100% not the case. The more successful the brand, uh, the, it's because the more authentic the content is. So there's an inverse relationship there that brands really need to embrace. It's just how it is. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't can't be on brand, just to be clear. It just means they don't need a huge studio, etc. So um, also really important message is you can start really simple. Now there are solutions around, um, so we, for example, have a new feature called Shoppable Stories, which means that you can literally take your existing Instagram story content 
and bring it onto your website as a shoppable story experience as well, using content that you already have. So, you know, that's an easy place to start. You don't have to build a new team. You don't have to develop new skills to get started in social commerce. You can literally start with the content you're already creating and just get a lot more mileage out of it and, you know, have a much higher ROI on it, which I'm sure a lot of CMOs are looking for also <laughs> at the moment. Always. Um, cool. Thank you for those extra tips there, Sophie. Much appreciated. That's been great picking your brains about social commerce. Listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end so you don't miss out on Sophie's insider tips on content marketing and my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further in your business. In a world where big companies dominate, Ferra is here to level the playing field for independent e-commerce stores like yours. Join Ferra's community of 35,000 plus businesses, including Fiji Water, and see why over 5,000 stores rated them five stars on Shopify and Wix. Ferra offers stunning, easy to use review widgets, AI-driven review management and dedicated customer support. When you use Ferra, you can expect a surge in review responses, increased conversions and better customer loyalty. Plus, your reviews will shine in Google search and shopping. Take advantage of their special offer, four months free on any plan. Visit keepopt.com forward slash Ferra to sign up today. That's keepopt.com forward slash F-E-R-A. Okay, Sophie, so far we've gone deep into social commerce. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of content marketing. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with content marketing, which of course does include everything we've already been talking about. Sophie, are you ready for these? I'm ready. Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? To give yourself the best chance of success, um, as I alluded to already, is social commerce is a lot easier than you think it is. What it is essentially is bringing an additional interaction and shoppable layer to content you are already producing. So there is no need to be very scared of having to build something new. You can literally start with what you already have and make it interactive and shoppable either on social media platforms or your own e-commerce and experiment with small social groups. So if, for example, it is live shopping, it doesn't mean you have to broadcast your first live shopping event to tens of thousands of viewers. You can broadcast it to 50 or 100 viewers and just get their feedback and start to learn what it is that they really like to see, what it is that is really relevant to them. And once you figure that out, then you can scale it. So first step, start small, start simple, start with what you already have, experiment, and once you've really figured out what it actually is that your community wants, then you scale it. Excellent advice. Okay, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance? So the number one biggest mistake uh, that I typically see brands and retailers doing is that they think for any of these formats um, that the key success indicator is eyeballs, traffic. That's not the case, in my opinion. Because this is actually such an effective and efficient, cost-efficient way of doing things, um, the thing you should be optimizing for is not how many people interact with the content, uh, whether it's a live stream, shoppable video, shoppable short-form content, whatever the case may be. 
that's not what it's about. It's about delivering the right content experience to the right target group. That's where this gets really interesting. So, for example, Marks and Spencer does a spectacular job um, at live shopping. And what they're doing really well is figuring out if we're doing a show about flower bouquets, which sounds random, I realize, but they actually do shows about flower bouquets. Then they make sure that the people that come into those shows are really interested in, I don't even know what's the word, being a florist, or I think there's a word for it. I can't think of it right now, but you know what I mean, like in how to make flowers. So I think that's where the real, real success of this lies in figuring out, okay, how do I deliver the right content experience to the right audience uh, to be highly relevant? And once you start optimizing for that, the conversion rates start going through the roof. Like you, I can't think of the word. I'm not sure there is one. So audience, if you, if you know what the word <laughs> is, if it exists, let us know. Um, <laughs> I, was just, I was just racking my brains too, too there, Sophie. Um, so if someone listening wants to learn more, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? Um, for sure. Um, I definitely, in terms of partners that we work with that I can recommend um, and that I know have a very high quality of research, I can definitely recommend um, Corsite Research in the US. If you go to their website, they have a lot of free reports on social commerce and live shopping, both in terms of you know market development, but also in terms of practical tips and tricks and case studies from brands and retailers. So that's a great free resource. Uh, on our websites, um, you can sign up to our newsletter, which will keep you updated on all things social commerce very regularly. Um, you can follow me <laughs> on LinkedIn. I obviously have a lot of opinions <laughs> um, on anything, any movements, any new things happening in the social commerce space. And we also recently um, founded a LinkedIn group called the Commerce Social Club. So anybody is welcome to apply to join that group. Um, that's a very fun group that has good discussions on also new things happening in social commerce and has very diverse opinions on it. So that's a good place to also learn quite a lot about it. Uh, and finally, in terms of cheap, cheap ways in, we also have um, a free masterclass series, uh, for example, on how to design an effective social commerce strategy for your brand with deep dives into different elements of social commerce as well. So I can also recommend that. And do they find that, uh, that free course on your website? And if so, where is your website? Yeah. So if they sign up to the newsletter on our website, which is hello-lisa.com, um, they will get invited to the masterclasses. Finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? I really think that social commerce is suddenly a term that is in many marketing managers, content managers, e-commerce managers, you know, CMOs, CIOs, uh, mouths. And like I said, I'm getting approached quite a lot uh, in the recent weeks by content managers, marketing managers, et cetera, saying, oh man, my CMO recently approached me and said I should, you know, pitch him, her, um, my social commerce strategy for next year. And I'm not really sure I have one, <laughs> not even sure I 100% understand what that is. Can you help me? Um, so in terms of crystal ball, um, I really think that content managers need to get ready for that question and to be able to answer that question, how they're going to deliver a really holistic social commerce strategy um, and how that looks like for their brand. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Sophie, we're very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let listeners know where they can find you and your business? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our website is hello-lisa.com. Find us there. You can find us on LinkedIn, uh, where we're called Lisa Social Commerce. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Sophie Frere. It's a French writing, <laughs> but you'll find it. Um, yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Well, look, Sophie, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast. It's been brilliant learning all about social commerce with you. And I think we're all now fully understanding what it actually is and not what we thought it was. So it's been brilliant. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. There we go, everyone. So a proper dive into what social commerce actually is and how you can uh, incorporate it into your plans for next year and beyond. And I think one of the really interesting things from everything Sophie was talking about there, actually two really interesting things. One, it's the same as every other strategy, everybody. You need to make sure that you have the right information coming through at the right time. Uh, you've got to be making the right decisions about your strategy, not just going, yeah, we'll do social commerce, but actually working out how you should be doing it, should you be doing it, and so forth. And then the other bit is that part about how she's she's getting asked on an almost daily basis from brands, what are you doing? How do I do it? What do I do? What What is a social strategy? There's clearly going to be an awful lot more of this social commerce happening next year. So maybe that's important as regards your plans with it all. Well, look, you can find the links to all those things we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. Or you can use our special director episode short links. Just put keepopt.com forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you will go straight to the correct episode page. When you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, then do check out the rest of our content marketing episodes. Either scroll up your feed or use the short link keepopt.com forward slash content. And please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because I want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their e-commerce marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. Hello, Chloe here. I just wanted to tell you something super exciting before we get into this episode. Chloe's e-commerce club is finally live. Yes, my new free online club where the whole Keep Optimizing audience can come together to improve your e-commerce marketing is live. So how can you join me in the club? Well, just go to keepop.com forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So go on, hit pause and come and join me and hundreds of our listeners at keepopt.com forward slash club. And then don't forget to hit play and listen to the rest of the episode. See you in the club.